Hello and welcome to this Idaho Reports Web Extra. This year, we at Idaho Public Television, along with debate organizers nationwide, saw a number of candidates decline to participate in debates or fail to respond to our invitations in the first place. As Federal Election Commission rules say we cannot hold a debate with just one candidate, we're allowing those who did qualify for the debates a chance to sit down with us for one-on-one -on -one interviews in which they can answer questions much like they would have received in a traditional debate setting. Republican Brandon Wolf is running for his third term as Idaho controller. His opponents, Democratic Party candidate Diana David and Constitution Party candidate Misty Gardner, didn't respond to invitations to submit materials for consideration. Controller Wolf, thank you so much for joining us today. Why are you seeking re-election? You know, I'm seeking re-election because there's a lot of work still to do, and I feel there's an opportunity we have uh, to continue to make Idaho one of the best-run states financially in the country. And so I want to continue to do that. And of course, I hope we can talk maybe a little bit more about transparency, but there's a lot of work there that we're doing and continuing to work with, not, a, not only at the state of Idaho level, but at the local government level. And that's a part that I want to continue to help uh, bring that forward. Let's talk a little bit about transparency. Yeah. That's been a big part of your campaign. What have you done over the last eight years to increase transparency in Idaho government? Well, one of the best things that what we've done is we've opened the books, and uh, I think Justice Brandeis said the quote, you know, Dis sunshine is the best disinfectant. And so what we have right now on transparentidaho.gov is we have a, a website that has all of the state expenditures. So we have, uh, that are posted from the night before. And so we have every single expenditure from state agencies. We have all the state employees and what their pay rates are. But one of the key things that what we also have Last year, House Bill 73 passed the, ses the uh, legislative session. And what that proposed, my vision was always, how can we take it one step further? And so one of the key points were, how can we get the cities, the counties, and the school districts data, and all taxing districts, how can we get all of their information? And they do a great job. And a lot of the bigger ones have their information posted on their websites. But if there was an opportunity, that means you're going to have to go to a lot of websites to track it down and how do you compare and is it apples to apples. And so that's what our team's been working on is making that uniformity and standard across so that you can compare a Boise to a Fairfield to a Preston to a Coeur d'Alene or the same with counties or school districts. And so that's our big opportunity. And from that, uh, not necessarily to be a gotcha, but how can we implement best practices? So for example, you may say you have a county, let's say, um, Idaho County, and you're comparing it to the sheriff's office in Canyon County. They're two different sizes, but if you're to put a percentage and know what they're spending it on, well maybe this county, let's say Idaho County is the uh, largest geographically, they have to travel a lot of miles, so can we put metrics behind it and get best practices? Compared to maybe a smaller size geographic, but they have a lot more uh, a larger jail, a lot more inmates, a lot more things. So what are those best practices and can we give that to the citizens? There's lots and lots of data, millions of rows, and how can we make that consumable for the citizens to be able to go in and get to it? Rather, and I always joke and say, I want it as easy so that my grandma can go in and find that and look up that information. <laughs> I have uh, also been in the position of chasing down a lot of that data uh, in 44 different counties, and so, so I understand the challenge yes. there. Where are you in that process? Yeah, great question. So right now we piloted with uh, eight counties, 
and we were able to get that standard uniformity and then we carried that forward to the other 36 and we've been able to grab the budgeted information for fiscal year 21 and 22. And so we're going through a QA, QC, a quality assurance, quality control check. And then we're working on how do we publish that. So we have the information. We also have the 100 and I believe it's 185 uh, school districts and charters. We have their data and we're pulling a, a pipeline from the, the Office of State Board of Education. So we're doing again the quality assurance check and we should have all of that that we can be able to go ready. Our target that we're pushing for is before the session goes live in January that we can at least show the counties and the school districts. And then with the cities we've started a pilot with 15 cities. Again, how do we get that uniformity and standard and we're working with them now. One of the other big projects that your office has been working on is LUMA, and yeah. this dates back several years. Uh, the launch date for LUMA has been pushed back several times. So first of all, can you explain for viewers who aren't familiar with it, right, what, what, what LUMA is? Yeah, definitely. So LUMA is the name of our project. It's a statewide project. Uh, I've been there for 25 years. I started as an intern at the controller's office. Um, but those systems were put in even before I started. So there are some mainframe accounting and payroll system. That, that every state agency has, right? Correct, they use. And they were put in in the late 80s. And uh, I joke that I have to go to the nursing homes to recruit COBOL mainframe programmers to help us keep it running. But, and that's one of the key parts of why we're modernizing and updating because we need to modernize our, our back-end financial system. So LUMA consists of five modules. It's the finance, procurement and budget, and then the HR payroll piece. And again, when you have a large state government, 25,000 employees, uh, 85 agencies, it's being able to put that all together. The unique part is my office, constitutionally and statutorily, I have a responsibility for finance and payroll. The other three areas of procurement, budget, and HR are under other uh, departments under the respect of the governor. So it's great coordination there. So what LUMA is, is being able to bring all those forward. How do we modernize them? And the best part is, we really feel great of where we're at, but the best part is being able to, and why we've pushed back, is we want to make sure it's ready. We don't want to turn over something that's not quite baked or not quite ready. We want it to be fully ready and for the state employees to be trained up the proper way. So that's where we're at. Oh. With that pushback, mm -hmm. you have had to bar borrow uh, some of the accountants from other state agencies. Yeah. This has come up in legislative council meetings with um, at least a handful of frustrated lawmakers and uh, state agency heads. Do you still have the trust of the lawmakers and those state agencies? We do, I, I feel that we do. Uh, we continue to keep them updated where we're at with the process. It's a massive program to be able to implement and to do that. Um, you know, obviously you want to have it ready to go from that standpoint, but we've communicated almost, you know, weekly if not monthly to the agency heads to keep them apprised of where we're at, where we're going, and we have borrowed. We call it the A-team, being able to bring the best accountants and HR staff from various state agencies to help us with this implementation. But we feel we do have that trust and respect still to get it completed. Your office also processes the payroll for those 25,000 state employees that you mentioned, but also payments made to state contractors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, this is a lot of money. Why should Idahoans continue to trust you with this role? 
Well, that's a, you know, from the standpoint of what we have is my experience, my knowledge, our integrity that I bring to the office that I feel that the Idahoans should um, hopefully respect and earn their trust that, they, that we're doing the right thing. As we bring forward the Luma project, one of the key things from there that I'm super excited about is being able to bring contracts forward that we can then include contracts of uh, what state agencies have set up and so that we can again be more transparent on who has a contract, how much, what's the term, what's the time frame, and who has it. Is it Cousin Bob's that's helping doing Jim's work at the county or at the state or how we can help bring that forward? Oh. Looking back now, instead of forward, transparentidaho.com also expanded its use to include the federal loans and PPP loans mm -hmm. um, that were allocated to businesses in the pandemic. Is there anything you would have done differently with that rollout or implementation? Um, not necessarily. I think what I would share is that we were, from my understanding, I just finished my term as the national, uh, as the president of the National State Controllers Association and knowing we were the very first state of all 50 to go live of posting that information when it was taking place with the CARES Act and the ARPA dollars. And so being able to put that out to let the citizens know where was that money going. Um, I think the continued part there is, um, it was a lot of money, a, a large sum of money that went out from the federal government. Being able to help track and make sure that there was no fraud and continue to keep an eye on that and to help make that easy for the citizens. I don't know if we would have changed or done anything different, but I think what we do is how do we make that, again, consumable for the citizens to be able to pull open or track or look up that information. One of the other major roles of the controller is sitting on the state land board. Um, recently, the land board made headlines for uh, trying to sell off parcels on Cougar Island, which is you know, in Payette Lake in Valley <coughs> County. Uh, very popular with locals, a very unpopular move with them to sell it off. Understanding that it's in the state constitution, that it's the, la the land board's mandate to get the maximum financial return right. for those lands. Do you see anything that the land board should be doing differently to balance the interests of locals who are interested in preserving access to public land while also getting back that financial return? I think that's a great question and great point and I think that's what we need to continue to work with all stakeholders involved. Um, hear them out but at the end of the day that constitution line still drives what our mandate as, as, trust benefit, as trustees for that, um, that endowment. Um, but I think it is appropriate to hear all sides and hear it out. Is there a better way that we can do things or could it be done that there can be a win-win-win but we always have to have a win that the, those beneficiaries have to come out on top. And if we can have those conversations, continue to develop that, um, I, I'm all for that. But I, like I said, at the end of the day, that beneficiary has to come out and, and continue to maximize those dollars there. Would you support exploring a change to the Constitution to change that balance a little bit? You know, I would be open, my biggest thing that I have is, you know, we have, what, a million acres in timber, we have a million, 1.4 in grazing, you know, and the amount of money that's being made off of those grazing allotments or those grazing uh, parcels compared to what we make off timber, which is our breadbasket, is there opportunities of how we can uh, block up and make them more valuable, and so, where we're limited, what the Constitution currently says is those 320 acres. And so if there's an opportunity down the road to continue to work, 
um, with the legislature, work with the citizens, if that were to be a constitutional amendment down the road, that would be something I would be very interested of continuing to pursue of how we can continue to maximize from that standpoint. All right, Controller Brandon Wolf, thank you so much thank for joining you. us Appreciate today. It. Thank you for your time.